Hey guys, it's Brennan Sweeney from Coach's Cradle Podcast. Today we have on Dr. Austin Kolish. He is a sports physical therapist from Maryland. He specializes in lacrosse rehab. He also works with first class lacrosse in developing rehab and prehab preventative programs. Austin played college lacrosse at DeSales University where he studied exercise physiology and a minor in bio and psych and biomechanics. He played four years there and then he went on to Rutgers University and played three years of club lacrosse while getting his doctorate in physical therapy. Austin is also a part of Team Portugal where he played in the 2014 World Games and the 2022 Euro World Qualifiers. He is also the physical therapist for Team Portugal and he also has many other coaching and playing experiences. Austin does a great job highlighting the importance of exercise and developing a sh- strong foundation in weightlifting well, while also rounding out in lacrosse. So this is a great podcast for anyone who is looking for a, a in with a physical therapist or just needs to understand more about how to exercise properly in order to prevent further injuries in the future. Without further ado, here's Dr. Austin Kolish. today so i appreciate having you on austin it's a really good opportunity to hear from someone like yourself who has a lot of knowledge in not only the the sport of lacrosse but how to train how to come back from injuries and so we can get right into it the first one is a is a hard ball what really gets overhyped in terms of injury prevention i think everyone has a large exposure to different modalities and methods across the internet and i think people can get sidelined with what advice to follow and where to get your information from. So what gets overhyped in terms of injury prevention and then what is underrated in terms of injury prevention? Yeah. So I really like this question because, um, um, you know, having a presence on social media, it's, it's a question I get a lot of like, Hey, like, what should I be working on? Or, you know, how can I prevent injuries? The reality is, is it's all statistics, right? Like there's yeah. no way that I or any one person can prevent an injury from occurring. I think something that we see a lot of is this like ACL prevention or anti ACL uh, exercise programming. Again, I think there's definitely movement patterns that we can encourage and screen for, and there's definitely key indicators that can um, uh, point to a higher risk for ACL injury, something like that. But I think something that gets totally overused is that knee valgus and that single leg landing component. Right. Um, And, and I, I think like off of that, like, I see this a lot, especially on social, like these young kids, like training ladder drills and like change of direction and agility stuff. And that's what the mindset they'll get more powerful to get faster. The reality is, is like, you just need to move in functional, like basic patterns, like a squat, a hinge and a, and a lunge. And you need to be strong in those positions first before you can add, um, you know, angle velocity and, and, and body weight moving at a higher speed. Um, so that like, I'm just a really big advocate in like, Hey, build a strong foundation and strength. And that comes again from like those functional movements and resisting them. So like, it doesn't need to be super heavy either. Cause that, you know, that, I think that goes the other way where you see like kids loading up, all they want to do is just max out their, their barbell squat. Um, but like single leg squats, single leg RDLs, things like that, like really simple functional movements, you know, can you have stability with that? Yeah. If you're a coach, I think having 
fundamental principles is extremely important and having different checkpoints to progression is, is really important. So when you said the word squat, I'm sure young athletes think of barbell back squat or front squat, but starting someone out with a goblet squat, people, right. when you say, Oh, we're going to work on pressing today. They say, Oh, can we max out bench press? It's uh, we haven't even done anything yet. How about we just get you to do 20 unbroken, perfect pushups. Right. Exactly. I think if you follow that progression pattern, yeah, you're, you're going to not get as injured as much. I, I think as well, injury prevention is, is a very broad term. I think that there's a lot of coaches or, or athletes who do their own, own training. You may not be able to prevent a lot of injuries, but you sure can cause a lot of injuries with improper training. What's, what's your sure. thoughts on things that athletes are doing that may be leading to causing injury? I mean, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking – going too hard, not enough rehab or not enough rest, not enough recovery and having some sort of, uh, always grinding mindset. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's like all things, it's a balance, right? So I, you know, I think from the skill development side, like we see, especially in the sport of lacrosse, we see kids who are in middle school doing things I wouldn't have thought about doing in college. Right. Right. And that just comes from like exposure of the sport and yeah, it's, they're putting in the hours and hitting the wall. I think that's great. But there also is that other side. And I think one of the bigger enemies down in the public eye is like over-specialization. I mean, I totally believe in that. And I see it here in Maryland where these kids are playing lacrosse all year round, every single day. And again, when we talk about that like biodiversity, like learning just how to control your body in different positions, whether that's different sports or whether that's in the weight room, um, we see almost like we stray away from that. And we get like too specific in just one sport. Or again, like going back to, my comment before about like, okay, well, I just want to be more explosive and I want to get faster. Again, the reality is if you're super strong and you have a good um, foundation that will come with time, like you can't develop power and speed unless you have a good strength foundation. Um, so I think that's probably one of those things. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm seeing more people as I start to train more lacrosse players who are getting to eighth and ninth grade and they're getting, weird acute injuries or chronic injuries where I keep making jokes like, Oh, you you have the body of a 30 year old. Cause they're <laughs> like, Oh, my back hurts. My knees are aching. And it's right. Okay. Well, it's cause you're paying, playing lacrosse six days a week for sure. Traveling to Maryland from Greensboro, North Carolina five times in the summer. And it's right. It, it becomes, it becomes a lot for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's directly a load uh, management issue, right? I mean, yeah. And I'm sure someone could challenge me on this, but in my mind, like 10, 12, 11 year olds shouldn't be having patellar tendonitis. That is just directly related to a mismatch in volume and in load management. Like, again, if you have, sure, like I think at that age, that's totally fine to start basic functional strength patterns, but that's totally different than running two hours of practice every single day and then going to club tournaments on the weekend every weekend. And to your point, too, the different sports that these kids can play just provides some sort of rest from all that volume lacrosse, especially right. as midfielders is not an easy sport to play down the miles that you're putting on your body. Even if right. you play basketball in the, in the winter time, you're just shrinking that court. Uh, you may be working a different energy system and you also get to work on different agility and quickness and, and jumping capacities. I think as well, if you look at the college game and the professional game, everyone's favorite players all probably play different sports at some times. And I don't think 
that gets looked at enough. If you're yeah. an eighth grader and your favorite attackman is Ryder Garsney, well, Ryder Garsney played hockey goalie for, you know, 10 to 12 years. I'm sure that has some right. hand-eye coordination or whatnot. Um, so I'm sure that some of the athletes that you're seeing on a day-to-day basis that have the strongest foundations probably played a lot of sports growing up. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and you know, I think some of the good things to highlight, I think lacrosse definitely has adopted more of, you know, for better or worse, you know, American football has always had that model of like, okay, there's the off season, you lift and then you kind of ramp back up and then you start doing like one a days, two a days. And then there's right. some level of like periodization. I do think, you know, people such as yourself who are experts in the world of strength and conditioning and also know the sport of lacrosse, I I am seeing lacrosse adopt that a little bit more. And I think that's better. I think that's better for the sport. I think that's awesome for the women's game to have like girls, like high school girls lifting as well, because again, we know there's a higher incidence of injury right there. Um, And again, that just comes back from like, Hey, are you strong? Are you stable? Can you move well? And again, you don't have to be doing crazy band resisted sprints up a hill with ladders and dodging cones. Like it's, it's just really basic movement patterns and being stable and being strong. That comes from time and training age. Yeah, I think for for girls' sports as well, I think it's more common that they play multiple sports. You may have a larger occurrence of basketball lacrosse or soccer lacrosse, but, yeah, there's less of an occurrence of, of lifting just because guys who are growing up in high school who are boosted with testosterone want to get as big as possible for, I mean, for the females. So, uh, they're going to in the gym and then girls, I think, take a sidetrack to that. So I think all we're saying is really just find a balance and in, in everything and you'll, you'll sure. be okay. You don't need to do all these different things that you find on Instagram to try not to tear your ACL. <laughs> right. So yeah. And then, and then, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, just to get back to your other question of um, just like what's underrated. I mean, this is something I talk with everyone from my middle school athlete all the way up to the professional guys that I work with. Is, is core strength in terms of like what are you know some of those buckets that probably should be filled by our athletes that isn't um i think core strength is a blanket term um and when i say that i don't mean like how many sit-ups can you do or like how can you get shredded and have a six-pack i mean that's just understanding like what the role of our uh, abdominal stability comes from and like how that aids with like respiration and breathing and things like that so um, i'm a really big fan of like giving people like plank and like teaching them like pelvic control in a plank or likewise uh like a dead bug or something like that a lot of those like quadruped like bear holds um i like i think if we spent less time on like all that like developing power and explosiveness and your change of direction and like learn how to just be a little bit more stable those things will then come yeah and lacrosse players get enough shooting anyways you went to salisbury you know the the berkman shooting routine that's reps on reps on reps on reps and to your point, your core exercises were more so holding shape and maybe not moving or how well can you hold these shapes? So I think that's a good balance of, okay, we have a lot of movement in this one joint. We have a lot of movement through this one plane of motion. Let's just pause and let's see how long we can hold this for. So I think that's really important right. as well. Um, we're right, talking for about sure. getting injured. Now let's talk about maybe returning back from injury when we're looking at a return to play model, there's a lot of different steps to it, but how do we start to incorporate some open agility drills into the return to play model? And how do we start to turn back on that, that brain function or that decision-making process for our athletes? 
Yeah. So I'll, I'll attack the second question first. I think as an athlete, and this is something we really try to do at True Sports is meet the athlete where they are. And we understand a lot of our clinicians here were athletes themselves who played in college. Um, and we, we understand that like, Hey, look, even the first week after surgery, we're not going to be necessarily even walking or lifting weights or anything like that. That doesn't mean it can't be challenging. And so within session with the patient, um, whatever that task is, we want to make sure that they're being challenged. Even if that means just like turning your quad on after you've had an ACL surgery. Um, so early on, we just really try to keep the athlete engaged. You know, we have like, um, you know, certain decision-making or you, you give them a tempo or you um, hold certain joint angles. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways early on during the rehab process, you can have those cognitive functions, you know, get, ask them questions as they're doing something. Or once they are weight bearing, I'm, I'm a really big fan of like getting a stick in their hand as soon as possible, just because one, I know the patient cares about that, right? Like uh, my job as a physical therapist, maybe I wanna increase your proprioception and make sure your knee's stable. I know all the patient cares about is just how soon can I get back to playing lacrosse? So I can sometimes target that. I can work on single limb downs. I can work on that neuromuscular control, but to the patient, we're just playing catch. Um, maybe I'm having them do it on single leg or on a you know, balance pad or something like that. Um, yeah. And, and in terms of like uh, getting patients back to um, more of like a reactive, well, that especially in the context of ACL, that all comes through that checklist of, of testing. And so, you know, every couple of weeks, every couple of visits, we're making sure that we're testing strength, swelling, range of motion, making sure that all those metrics are hit before then adding in layers at a time. And one of the things I'm a really big believer in is when someone's rehabbing with me, especially if they're a college or a high school lacrosse player, everything that they're going to do out in the field, they will have done with me or one of our PTs here uh, in our facility. And, and that's, that's a nice thing about having access to the turf and the weight room, things like that. Um, like before an athlete's like, uh, an attackman is going to go and do one-on-ones at practice. Like they'll do it with us here. And so it's just a matter of like, okay, well, before we can get to full contact one-on-ones in the clinic, we need to know that you can decelerate. So we're going to spend a week or two just working on those mechanics. Um, and then we add in cones and we add in hand signals to change the direction. Then we add in a ground ball and it kind of just builds like that. I think same as like strength and conditioning, there should always be some type of periodization and it should never just be a mad leap in logic where it's like, okay, well, you've only been walking and doing hip bridges. You haven't run in four months. Let's try running today. Like there's gotta be a smart sequence there. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really interesting thing. And I had, I had heard a baseball PT talk about the fact that it doesn't have to go from throwing nothing to throwing a baseball. There's right. I think they had said that they have over like 130 different objects that an athlete can throw and during their rehab process, they're going to be throwing every single one and it just changes. Right. So yeah, to your point, having some variability in their training, some progression, some regressions and whatnot. Is there a certain drill that you would say is the last checkpoint to hit before that, before they're able to go back into their full sport? Yeah, great question. So I'm pretty notorious for having people bring full pads. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's you know, I played, I was a long pole in college. I played defense. So I mean, I tell people all the time, like, if you can't beat my washed up ass, 
then you can't get it back on the field. So, um, you know, I'm joking, but it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have people bring in full pads and we'll go at it. And again, like, I think it helps also with the patient confidence. That yeah. mental side is such a big piece of any injury and coming back from that. And I think after an athlete's coming here and we've done one-on-ones and they're running hard, they're sweating, you know, again, they have their stick in their hand, they're dodging and cutting. Like that goes so far in making the athlete feel more confident. And now when they go to practice, it's like, all right, well, I've done this already. I know, I know I can do that. Um, but other than that, um, setting up the goal, especially for more of my offensive guys or even some of my defensive guys, just, just working on like shooting and mechanics like that. And then again, always building it. So if we've, talked about split dodging and rollbacks okay well now i want to see that from a sprinting start off of a hand signal into a shot and and just know that you can always add those layers yeah if i was a acl rehab person and all i had to do was beat dr austin to get back on the field i think i think i mean <laughs> all my effort would be put into just beating beating up my physical therapist but no that that's a really good point that these athletes need confidence in order to get back and I don't think many PTs would, would be willing to go out there and go one v one against their against their patients, but that's really really funny. And so I yeah. think another trigger word that's common in my space and your space is, is just the word mobility. I think it gets often yeah. misused, where someone just looks at someone squatting and it's just oh more more mobility, more this more that, and they have just no context at. at whatsoever of what this athlete actually needs or, or what's actually going on internally. Uh, can you just touch on when is mobility actually needed for some different athletes and when, when can it actually be too much for an athlete? Yeah, for sure. So th- the way I think about mobility is it's just another one of those metrics of human performance, right? So in the same way that we talk about strength or stability um, or things like that, it's just another piece of the human body and especially within the context of performance um, that, that you need to work on. And, and really what it comes down to is, is, is joint range of motion. So oftentimes people will say that they're double jointed uh, news alert that doesn't exist. There's no such thing as having two joints in one joint. You have one joint for each of your joints. Um, it just means that like you have a ton of range of motion through that space. So I think you see this a lot, with I think across the board, guys typically tend to be less mobile than females, but that's not always necessarily true either. And we see that often. Um, I think when there's soft tissue restrictions, so like the muscles themselves are actually tight. That's something I see often too, is like people come to be like, oh, my hamstrings are tight. And a lot of times it's like our super mobile, like female college athlete. I'm like, well, actually it's, it's lacking a little bit of strength. It's actually lacking a little bit of stability. I think, like you said, the term just gets thrown around and they necessarily aren't one in the same. Um, so like going back to a squat, sure, you can have stiff uh, ankle mobility and stiff hip mobility that restricts you from getting into the bottom position of a squat. But someone else can have a same looking squat where they can't get all the way down. But the reason they can't get down is not because their joints are stiff or their muscles are tight. It's because they don't have strength. Yeah. So. I, th- I think understanding the difference between mobility and stability is, is really important, especially for young athletes who are, again, trying to elevate all of those elements of their you know, physical performance. Um, I would say from like an injury standpoint, more times than not, uh, big mobility thing is, is just working on like range of motion, 
um, through like the thoracic and lumbar spine. Uh, I see a lot of younger guys and girls when they're shooting specifically. Again, I think this comes from a lack of core and rotational stability, but oftentimes they'll use their back. So their back starts to stiffen up. I think that's a case where mobility comes in. But again, it's not just, oh, just stretch. It's okay, well, now we got to reteach and like learn why did we get tight and how can we rebuild stability where it needs to be? Yeah, and everything too that that we're talking about are just motor patterns. It could it could be as simple exactly. as they haven't really learned how to properly do it and they're overcompensating in, in one way or the other. If the athlete sure. is super uh, quad dominant, their front squat may look like shit just because they're they're not balanced enough. And exactly. Yeah, it could, I mean, it could be a multitude of things, but this is why having some different tests is so important. I think this is what physical therapy has that a lot of strength and conditioning coaches don't give credit to is, is just the all's testing. I, I probably couldn't tell you every normal range of motion for every joint in the human body, but I <laughs> have a couple of tests for the very common ones like hamstring and ankle. Yeah. And sure that they pass by those normal standards before we start to overload a joint otherwise that could be yeah and and to your point i don't think it needs to be that in depth i mean oftentimes like yes i can whip out my goniometer and measure yeah. the exact joint angle in the reality is when i evaluate an athlete most of the times it's just a quick screen it's like hey show me what your squat looks like show me what your hinge looks like show me what your lunge looks like just by watching all those movements you hit each of those things hip mobility pelvic control ankle mobility and so, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some, I've seen some really good strength coaches kind of go through those, those patterns. And I, I actually think if, if you are in a position where you work with athletes and you're not screening them, you're probably doing a disservice to yourself and, and definitely that athlete. Yeah. And really quickly, when can too much mobility be an issue? I remember this is just like a side tangent of, of one of the idiots I played college lacrosse with. He used to do two and a half hours of stretching every single night. And it would just be, well, I've got to get my mobility working somehow. And, and it wasn't even a joke. It would be like, he's, he's there at eight o'clock in his room and he's actually yeah. stretching out for two and a half hours. When can too much flexibility or mobility be an issue? Yeah. I, I think in those people who are inherently hypermobile, again, it's, it's funny, but those are typically the athletes who come in. They're like, yeah, I'm feeling really tight. Like you're not tight. Believe me. That's yeah. not what the issue is. Sure. Uh, but two hours of, of working on stretching and mobility is probably time you could have better spend somewhere else, um, like sleeping or nutrition or just right, doing right. something else mentally. Um, what I tell people, like for most of your warm-ups or cool-downs, it shouldn't be more than 15, 20 minutes. It doesn't really need to be that complicated. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, Wouldn't spend that much time doing that. Yeah, and if, if you pass by normal ranges of motion, if you're going down to a full squat – and you still have, some yeah. issues, like you said, spend some more time on strength, spend some more time on, on a single leg, anything right. like that can, can make a bigger difference than taking 20 more minutes to do hamstring stretches. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so I think one of the hardest parts about being an athlete is just keeping up my, my health or keeping up what my body feels like during the season. Uh, sure. And when you're a kid, you can pretty much do anything, but even like we're talking about the specialization could be hurting some kids in the long, long run. But do you have any advice on what athletes could do during the season to just stay healthy, to feel better throughout the season? 
Yeah, it's so it's something we see a lot. Um, like I say, kind of uh, like we were talking about earlier, like summer times are busy time because everyone's home and it's more or less the off season, especially for lacrosse. And then as kind of we get the fall and winter, the, that starts to ramp up and definitely in spring. Um, it's not uncommon. I'll have guys come in and see me mid season. I think that's the best time that a lot of our passive modalities were cupping, dry needling, soft tissue. I think that helps then. So if you have access to a sports physical therapist who understands your sport and, and gets what you're going through, I think that's a great resource. Um, number one, number two, I think just the basics, I, I, you know, it would be great to have a PT. If you don't have that, that's okay. Again, the basics, meaning right. hydration, sleep, nutrition, um, making sure that you're eating enough. I feel like I'm constantly talking with my patients too. Like, Hey, like, what'd you have for breakfast today? What'd you have for lunch? What are you planning to eat later? When's your next meal? Um, I, I, again, I think it, there is a science to it, but it's also a lot of it just common sense. Like make sure you're, you're filling each of those aspects of just being a healthy human. And a lot of the kids that are going through PT as well in the later stages of their PT, I feel like are biting off a ton of extra exercise because they'll go into their physical therapist and then maybe they'll go and work out and they'll have practice light at night, but then in between they're not eating or sleeping enough. And right. I think we can see a, a common pattern in re-injuring a lot of that just because they're not taking time to just kick your feet up, eat a lot of food or just yeah. go, to bed, go to bed a little bit earlier if you're, if you're that tired. Um, right. So with you seeing a lot of athletes over the summer or maybe even during their competitive season, what are some commonalities between all these athletes that are getting hurt and staying hurt? And I think we've touched on this as well, but if you have anything else to add, uh, go ahead. Yeah. No. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, um, and again, there's, there's a ton of research that looks at specific types of injuries and, and injury rates and kind of some like key markers for that. I think the biggest thing I see clinically is just training age. And that just yeah. comes from, again, like if you're not used to lifting and you're not used to loading, there's a higher chance you're going to get hurt. And a lot of my younger athletes, typically the first time they like pick up a weight, is already after they've had surgery and we're rehabbing them. Right. And my conversation with them is like, as long as you want to be a competitive athlete, you need to be in the weight room two to three times a week. Um, and that's where I really, uh, I really value like what you guys do as strength coaches um, who one are having conversations with PTs, you get it and you understand like our roles in actually helping that athlete meet their goals and kind of perform because um, there's also a lot of kids who are like, yeah, I work out. And then, I mean, you and I both know what that looks like. They're going to the gym, they're on the phone, doing a couple of bicep curls, and then they go home. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a really big advocate for, like, find a strength coach, make sure you're on, like, a program, and make sure you're training. Because if not, like, again, your, your injury rate is just it's at a higher incidence. Yeah, most high school kids are just doing a 30-30 a workout. It's usually 30 Snapchats sent and then a one three by 10 adventure. <laughs> or something. So that's a good 30, 30 workout. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the younger that these kids can get introduced into weightlifting and, and not even, not even weightlifting even is just practicing loading fundamental patterns, yep. the better, yep. the better off they'll be in the, in the long run. Um, and then learning how to, how to recover, I think is, is a big thing that physical therapists do that most people overlook. And so we've talked about you just, uh, suiting up with your kids and, and having a good time and, challenging them when during their, during their hard time of, of recovering and, and coming back from some of their injuries, how do you make training and rehabbing a fun process? Yeah, I think, 
Um, for me, it's easy because I, I, I basically get to have a job where I get to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, what I tell the clinicians here is like, whenever you're working with a patient for that, that time slot, you should have two or three goals. And so say I have someone, they're three months, I have an ACL, they're a women's lacrosse player. My goal today is like build quad strength and work on like, um, you know, force absorption. Those are my two basic goals. Now it's up to me to basically be as creative as possible to, to load that, to reintroduce those forces, depending on where that person is. Um, but I think the other thing is, is that for the athlete, the, the most important thing for them is like to get back to the sport. So you essentially have like that carrot at the end of the stick. And it's just, again, as much as I can integrate lacrosse or integrate that sport, whatever that is for that athlete into what we're doing here, um, more times than not, it's going to put a smile on their face. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess what kind of environment are you trying to bring to your athlete and, and how are you trying to get them to retain a lot of the information that you're talking about? Do you, do you stay in touch with a lot of your athletes post injury and do they, they can, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, part of what we have here, we have an app that allows us to upload exercises and we can communicate to them through there. That's where I also think like my Instagram comes in hands. I, I, I really like to, to either through stories or posts, like keep my athletes engaged. I think it's the younger generation. Everyone has Instagram um, and that's made it really easy. So I'll have people send me videos or, or texts and just keep me updated on, on how they're doing. Or a lot of times I'll give my phone number out if they have questions. It's not uncommon. I'll, I'll get a text late at night and I'm just be like, Hey, like this is bothering me. What do I do about it? So Again, my, my biggest thing is like, I just want to be a resource to them and I, I want to be a piece of them getting back to the field. So if that means me being available to ask a couple questions. It's, that's important. What, I guess this is just my own personal question. What is the most common text you get as in this is bothering me? It, it has to be, I've got one in mind, but, but what is it? Um, I would say top, top one, probably in season, definitely like low back. All yeah. It's like, Oh, my low back's killing me. Um, but again, I see a lot of ACL patients. So, um, like I just had this call yesterday, kids like over a year out, he crushed his rehab. Um, he hit all the metrics. He's back to play and he's at a summer tournament and he like called me. He's like, Hey, like I was riding the ball really hard. I like planted weird. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, like, let's go through. Is it swelling? No. Is it bruising? No. Is it whatever? No. I'm like, dude, you're fine. He's totally fine. <laughs> so, but, but that's part of it too. And again, like, I think that's helpful just to be a resource where it's like, Hey, like, I'm not sure. Some, a lot of times it's just like, just need the reassurance to know that like everything's okay. Yeah. We had a couple of ACL kids coming back this year, later in the season. And I feel like sometimes I'd be having conversations with them and they'd be trying to complain to me. I shouldn't say complain. They were, they were discussing different pains that they were going through. And half the time I'm like, I, I think this is normal. I feel like it shouldn't yeah. be painless yeah. right now there, there probably is going to be like some some sheer force or some different things that your knee has to relearn and whatnot it's going to be uncomfortable um well right. doctor thank you thank you so much for coming back on uh, i really appreciate you actually finding some time to finally do <laughs> yeah. this uh it's been it's I, been a couple of weeks of us trying to figure it out yeah yeah absolutely uh but we still we we got a lot out i think this is one that is really valuable for any athlete who's who's early in their developmental career and and, you know, it could help a, a long way in just developing better strength or developing more. I know we said injury prevention isn't a real thing, but 
just being stronger overall and, and what they need to do. Is there anything else you'd like to plug or add before we log off here? No, uh, just shout out to you. Like I said, it's, I'm always a big fan of strength coaches kind of dipping their feet in the rehab world and bringing people like myself on just to kind of make sure that we're keeping that marriage going well. Um, like I said, it, part of my daily job is, is working with strength coaches. Um, but other than that, if anyone has any questions, whether it be rehab related, strength conditioning related or lacrosse related, you can hit me up on Instagram at Lax Rehab. Yeah. Would you like to plug the first class? Do you guys still do the first class? rehab thing yeah so yeah uh we're, you know we're partnered with team class through true sports physical therapy and he has his online um injury prevention program that we've kind of helped in that through his yeah check that out check austin out on on instagram he posts a lot of great content for any athletes that are looking to uh just add an extra edge to what they're already doing uh, i think this has been great austin thank you again and i hope you have a great day man Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course.